Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. In this podcast, we chat with Andrew Stady. Andrew discusses his time the past few years doing direct service for the Franciscan Volunteer Ministry in Camden, New Jersey, and also My Brother's Keeper in Brockton, Massachusetts. We dive pretty deep in here and learn a lot about his his time, what he's learned, and his growth in faith through these different experiences. Come on and join us. Hi, this is Tyler, and I am here with Andrew Stady. How's it going, Andrew? Hey, Tyler. How you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm good, my man. Good. Um, first of all, thanks so much for joining uh, this afternoon. I, I really appreciate you being a guest on the show. Absolutely. Great. Um, Happy to do it, man. Thank you. So how I normally kick off is by opening up in prayer. Um, Great. I can go ahead and, and open us up, and if you wouldn't mind, at the end of the podcast, if you could close this up, that would be excellent. That would be awesome, man. Great. Dear Lord, thank you for bringing Andrew and I together this afternoon, evening, and having the opportunity to hear about how you've been working in Andrew's life and what you've been doing the past few years as he Andrew has developed his faith and got a bit deeper into scripture and also through experiences, through serving others and understanding, uh, understanding your love at a deeper level, how he's been able to connect and communicate. I'm really excited to to share um, share Andrew's experiences with um, all of our listeners and our followers, and for them to get a really clear picture of what you've been what you've de- what you've done in Andrew's life. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen Thank you for that. Absolutely. Um, so, I, I guess for a bit of background, um, I met Andrew. Let's see. Probably soft my sophomore year or my sophomore or junior year, uh, which yep. was your uh, junior senior year back in college. So um, about four or so years ago, and we, we actually lived in the same dorm room, uh, dorm dorm suite. And okay. I, um, you know, I, I think you know over the past um, you know past few years, I think a, a lot of things have have changed in both of our lives, and I've had the opportunity to get um, a bit closer with Andrew just recently. And hear what has been going on in his life, the experiences he's had, and the opportunity to to really take on and uh, to change as a person in these experiences. Um, so, for a bit more context, um, Andrew graduated from from Stonehill College uh, in 2014, and then spent time in service. Um, with the Franciscan Volunteer Ministry, and then also my brother's keeper. Um, is that correct? All st- right. all accurate. Excellent. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Um, I, I know that's a, kind of a brief intro. W- would you mind uh, sharing a bit more about what's been going on in the past few years, and also your your coming to faith? Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. So, um, I guess I'll you know backtrack a little bit, and uh, you know say from the from the outset, you know, you know, I was born and raised uh, Roman Catholic house and. Um, religiosity was a big part of my upbringing and a big part of my family life, but um, I always distinguish between you know religion and faith and religiosity and faith spirituality, you know, because I think it's an important distinction to make. And um, you know, 
we were born and raised brought to church and you know mass every Sunday and things like that and clearly it was a big value for our parents but um, you know faith life wasn't necessarily always incorporated with that uh, and you know I went through CCD went through confirmation and things like that and um, you know went through those sacraments of the Catholic Church and uh, that was great you know but I can't say that I personally connected to any of that stuff especially as a high schooler you know my focus was on sports uh, on school I was head of my student council like I was a busy guy and um, you know went to public high school and everything else in Canton and it was fantastic but there's a lot going on and a lot that kind of preoccupied me so I got to Stonehill um, as you mentioned and um, enjoyed my experience there overall at first I'll admit it was a little too small I kind of felt like high school all over again in some ways and uh, I grew to love the smaller aspect to it I'm sure Tyler can relate and, and a lot of others but um, you know, at first it kind of felt hemmed in and, you know, I was dealing with some different family issues. I was dealing with a lot of personal issues and, uh, I just wasn't happy. You know, my freshman and sophomore year of college, I just kind of see myself as this totally different person compared to who I was at the end and who I am now. Um, and again, faith wasn't a big part of my life in those first couple of years. So, um, I was really blessed though, uh, during my summers in college to spend time down our family house in the Cape. And I lived there on my own, and I worked there and everything else. And it was really awesome. It was a um, several summers worth of kind of, you know, seeking out who I was, what I valued in life, and really finding God. But I didn't know it at the time, you know, because um, those summers were also, you know, full of some really challenging moments, too. Again, dealing with these struggles that I had carried over from high school. So it was actually my mom who, um, you know, when I was kind of in the midst of these really deep dark times and, and real sadness and anger and all stuff like this my mom would always say hey you know God has a plan and he's not just torturing you you know the universe isn't picking on you which is like what I always used to say I was like God you know everything bad's happening to me kind of thing and what's the deal um, and she's like you know God has a plan God has a plan just you gotta believe that and you know my dad would, would say kind of the same things but you know I was always um, just kind of inspired especially by my mom because she wasn't a very religious person but she had the spirituality about her that was like so grounded and I wanted to know more about that so things went on in college and things started to get better and um, you know by the end of my years at Stonehill I definitely found resources to help myself to kind of dig myself out of the hole I had dug for myself during those summers and um, in a lot of ways I was a changed and growing person but still faith wasn't huge to me it was a factor in my life but it wasn't where it is today so um, you know by the end of college actually I hadn't done any internships um, I was comfortable with my degree in communication and I thought that'd be helpful someday but I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it so I was just exploring different options and um, at the time I was still an active student volunteer at my brother's keeper which is this local Christian charity um, and is right next to Stonehill's campus conveniently enough so um, you know I used to go over there with my ex-girlfriend at the time and um, I had some really, really good memories as a student volunteer there, and the work, and I think the just spirit of the place really touched my heart and, and really changed me. Um, and you know, having had work there the past two years, like shameless plug or not, um, that place definitely, definitely transformed my heart, transformed my life. Um, and now I can see that you know I went through these difficult times, and God was kind of like, hey, hang in there. Because I have something planned for you, you know, and I feel very much that that place was kind of the start of his plan. So my literal thought process as my days at Stonehill were winding down was, you know, I don't want like a typical job. Um, I don't want a desk job. And 
but I love helping people and I love volunteering. So like, what if I could do extended period of time just volunteering? Like, what would that be like? What would it be like to have the My Brother's a Keeper effect, but like not just one day a week, like every day of every week, you know? Um, and it's funny now because like it never occurred to me to try to like apply to work there. I just still was interested in like the volunteering side of things. So I found the um, faith-based program that I partook in, the Franciscan Volunteer Ministry. Um, I actually, it's funny, I was filing out like applications for a bunch of different other programs and had some that looked really good. All were faith-based because at that point I realized like, hey, MBK does things with the Christian, you know, kind of mindset and um, Christian way of putting your faith in action. And that was really attractive to me. So I wanted that in this long-term service experience. So my dad, you know, obviously knew what I was doing. And he said, hey, why don't you reach out to this guy? Um, he was, you know, a friend of my sister's growing up or something. And he said, I think he did something like what you want to do after college. Why don't you, like, reach out to him on Facebook and find out what it was all about and see if he can help. So I did. And uh, it turned out that he was the then assistant director of the program I ended up doing. Um, so he kind of gave me, like, the pitch, you know, on the program and the ministry sites and what we'd be doing. And I was sold. You know, all three sites were on the East Coast, close to home. Uh, one of the sites I had actually volunteered at with my dad in high school. So I thought, like, that's kind of funny. You know, like, no, no coincidence there. It must have been part of the plan kind of thing. Um, and, yeah, so I ended up going for that. And that year was, was definitely the best of my life. It was challenging, but um, that completely changed my take on things, and that grew my faith in exponential ways. So that's a bit about... Mm-hmm. you know, how I got to where I am today and, um, kind of what started it, you know? Wow. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, it, it, what really stuck with me is that, that faith to action and kind of looking at, I think why that's so important today. Um, and for a lot of people, um, that are questioning kind of where their faith is right now, or even faith in general, it's yeah. Going back to, you know, back to, to, to middle school, to high school, Andrew Stady, going to you know sunday service you know taking part in you know in the catholic church and but like just making it very sunday to sunday thing and um i was just doing some you know some additional research online and it's there's a very high percentage uh, i believe 78 percent of people um fall off of religion after the age of like 16 or so so people who you know have been have been ingrained into a a, a denomination or consider themselves part of a church Sure. drop off right and there's just this huge gap um yeah. and i and you know and that that's why i always think it's so it's so awesome to, to to connect with people who have found kind of a way back in um and obviously yeah. as you mentioned god has a plan and that that's that sticks with me because right like my my mom to, always told me like god is love and that's something that you know there's very few things that you uh, remember that well but like yeah. even you saying god has a plan like that's yeah. something that your mom kind of you know that, that God put into you know in your mom's heart and into her voice yes. that resonated yeah. and that and that really stuck with you. Yeah. Um, and there 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 are people people in programs uh, sorry people in community that really were put in front of you, um, and I I think your the 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 call to action um, really kind of just took that to the next level. Um, so I I think like. What kind of, you know, one challenge I think a lot of people have is kind of getting into that full service mode and that full kind of like, 
man, I know I've heard Christianity or, you know, just following Christ is going to be challenging and going to yeah. be kind of a long game. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think one, you know, there's many different ways of how that looks. Uh, yeah. One, I know one, one way for you is right is going, graduating from college and be like, all right, well, I'm not going to make much money at all. And I'm going to go serve um, in Camden, New Jersey, which was considered the most dangerous or most violent city in the United States. Yes. Is that correct? So, yeah. you know, so kind of what, what, what kind of, you know, costs, you know, you know, I, I, if you kept to, to kind of weigh in your way in, you, in your decision, what kind of costs you, you know, you, you could see and then what else you, you could have done? How to, how does that size up? Well, um, I mean, divine intervention, honestly, like yeah. I, yeah. I just, it's hard for me even still like the past three years of my life being dedicated to pretty much full-time Christian ministry and, and direct service to those, uh, of our, you know, less fortunate brothers and sisters in, in various ways. Like even after my, um, constant experience with that and my faith growth, it's still hard for me to like look back on that conversion point, you know, that turning point, which, which actually happened halfway through college for me. Um, even though I kind of characterize freshman and sophomore year as their own kind of like things, you know, I, I can't discredit the fact that I started at my brother's keeper as a sophomore. Um, and again, while maybe it didn't leave a huge impression on me, God was working the whole time, and, I, and I'm confident of that. But even still, like looking back at that time, the changes happened so fast. It, it was like it was overnight, you know, which is incredible, um, because God often doesn't work that way, right? We have to be patient. We have to be patient. Yeah. We have to pray. We have to wait on things. We have to be hopeful as Christians, you know, and be like, hey, good things are coming. I just have to believe it. Um, I guess for me, that was during those tough summers, you know, where mom was saying, hey, God has a plan. And I'm saying, yeah, you know, I, I don't see it, but eventually yeah. it laid itself out. So, I mean, I don't know when, when it came right down to it again, like the end of my senior year, it happened so quickly. I mean, you know how fast college went for you. It's just one of those periods of your life that it's great, but it just flies. And I don't know, man, I, I didn't, I didn't care about making money. I didn't care suddenly but let me add that as like a you know little sub caption because like for my first couple years of college again and even into junior year my big thing was oh, okay you know i have a communications concentration i'm gonna go be uh the next like head of pr for the bruins or i'm gonna be the next ceo of the red Sox. like i wanted nothing more than a cool job that paid lots of money so i could have a nice house a nice wife like the american dream yeah right? yeah you know but yeah. like for a new england sports loving kid like that's all i wanted <laughs> yeah. i wanted money i wanted the sports car i wanted the house i wanted the cool job that was pretty much it um so again in terms of how quickly those priorities shifted it, it's just unbelievable because now i mean even in my current life like i told the guy you know at the uh, dealership interview today like I don't, my money's not the first priority. Like I just, you know, my heart is so geared towards service. And so when you talk about like, you know, cost benefit or any like pro cons analysis, like I was just going to do it and mm -hmm. other stuff came later. And I think that that kind of worried some people like my mom and dad were very, very supportive of my choice to do a year of service. But you know, there's the practical part that kicks in for any parent and they're like, well, so are you going to get food? Are you going to have a house? Are you going to have a car? Like, what's going to go on? And sure, I did my research on that stuff to, you know, put my mind and their mind at ease beforehand. But even still, like, you know, it could have been, I don't know, essentially free labor, which it was anyways. And, like, it wouldn't have mattered to me. I just, I just had that call to do it, and I just wanted to. There was nothing else I wanted more for that period of my life, you know. And I, I believe very strongly, like, God just put that 
that on my mind. He put that on my heart. And 125% certainty three years later that that decision was one of the most important, if not the most important of my entire life and rewarding, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, there was a prospect of like, Hey, my buddies are going to be in Boston and I'll be separated from them. Obviously I won't be in my family. I won't have my own car. Um, you know, I won't be making a lot of money, but mm-hmm. no, that stuff just kind of fell by the wayside when quite literally God was just like, well, I'm going to prepare something for you here, you know, and, and trust me sure. a little bit and go for it. You know, and I just did. So, I mean, it, it was a blessing. It was a huge blessing. Sure. So, you know, I, I, I think when, when you talk about these, these different experiences and I think, you know, I, I think what people remember the most is when, is when you leave and then when you come back, right? Like you're going to yeah. say, I'm doing this big trip. I'm doing this trip. I will earn not this trip in this case, but I'm doing this, this, uh, you know, I'll be working here for a year. Um, yeah. And then I'm, you know, and then I'll be back or whatever. And then people are saying, oh, you know, great, you know, good job, you know, great, you know, uh, best of luck, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And then you come back and it was like, oh, you know, must have been a great time, great experience. And and it's like, you know, you, you, they only kind of catch you at these two endpoints, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't, you know, I, I'm sure you had a lot of a lot of support there and a lot of friends that were able to to be with you throughout that process and throughout that journey. Um yeah. But, but what did it, you know, what, what did it look like for you day to day at the, you know, at the Franciscan volunteer ministry, what did it look like day to day? What did you learn? What, what did you end up learning through this experience? Um, kind of about yourself and, and about, about kind of God's love and, and the people. Sure. Um, well, so, you know, it's funny at, at MBK, I, I like to tell people that like, um, you know, on a week to week basis, the day-to-day schedule is supposed to be the same, but on a day-to-day basis, like all hell can break loose. You know what I mean? Because it's just, you know, it's the nature of the business, the nature of working in a nonprofit, it's the nature of direct service and Christian ministry. Like someone comes to the door looking for a few bucks or looking for, you know, food, we're not going to say, oh, sorry, we got a furniture delivery to do that's more important. Like, no, we're going to stop and help that person um, because that's what Christ would do. You know, so yeah. I think emulating that, I think being as um, people-centric as we were at MBK, that was just a reality. Like, projects often got delayed. Things often didn't get done when we wanted them to just because, you know, we had other priorities, which I think is fine, and that's important. So FEM was kind of like that. Um, like, on a day-to-day basis, I had my set ministries that I partook in, but um, on those specific days, you just never know what was going to come up, you know? But, you know, to keep it kind of brief and focused, um the main ministries that I was part of there um, were all in some way attached to the parish that my housemates and I through the program worked with. So a big part of the program is um, intentionally working alongside Franciscan friars. So um, the parish that we helped out at, St. Anthony of Padua, was tended by three Franciscan friars. That's who you know the Franciscans had taken it over from the diocese years ago and whatever else. Um, so attached to that parish was a school that you know, used to be funded by the church, but then they didn't have enough money, so it became part of a partnership at Catholic schools in the area. Um, there was this wonderful, just total, like, glimpse of heaven on earth ministry called Francis House, um, which was run by a layperson, uh, you know, someone just like you and me, who had originally started it with one of the friars who used to be there, and it was like a support group, welcome center, resource center, kind of all-in-one place for people with HIV, 
um, or AIDS. And, you know, there was nothing medically done there. It wasn't like a treatment center. It was just a home, you know, it was, it was a real home for people who, um, you know, when it was first started uh, by this woman in the mid nineties, you know, that virus was still very much misunderstood and it, and it still is in some circles today. Like I'll be honest, I didn't know all the ins and outs of it, even though it's 20 years later, you know, that I was there helping these folks. Um, but back in the day there was a lot of stigma to it, you know, and it was kind of like the modern day leprosy, right? So there's these beautiful examples through scripture and, and stories of, um, St. Francis, but of course Christ, you know, embracing lepers and, uh, cleansing them and healing them just basically through pure love. And recognition of them um, so Francis house was kind of started with that image in mind you know that image of service of just loving people for who they are not judging and making sure they can feel safe and comfortable so it really was like a, a family feel and I'll be honest without that place um, I don't know if I would have stuck around um, in Camden in my program as much as I grew to love it it was kind of like the Stonehole effect you know at first there was some there were some bumpy patches, you know, and I wasn't quite sure that I had made the right decision. But um, with the love of the people I encountered there, with the support from the woman who ran it and, you know, just other factors, like I like I said, obviously I stuck in there and, and it was the best year of my life. But um, so like on an average week, I'd have two days in the school uh, where I helped out both in the um, language arts classroom for the middle school kids and also in the learning resource center for kids that had like behavioral or developmental um, issues. Um, and that was so rewarding. Again, at first, very challenging. Uh, middle schoolers, I think, are probably the most special group of kids you can work with, but also can be like the biggest pain too, you know? Because yeah. um, like one day Absolutely. they're there and they're like, oh my God, you got a haircut. It looks great. And then like the next day, you know, oh, your beard's too long. Like what do you do? You know, just like yeah, that's yeah. their job. Like they sure. notice stuff that's different. They, you know, they don't really have a filter. So you got to, you know, kind of have thick skin, but kind of also just remember like, hey, they're just kids even though they're acting like they're high school or college students that's what they want to be like they're still just kids you know um so i loved working with them and you know i didn't like teach i was just more of a resource person i kind of considered myself like a big brother mentor type um you know someone that the kids could come to if they were being bullied or like if they didn't obviously understand something in class but maybe they're embarrassed to raise their hand in front of the kids you know around them or something like that like i guess i wanted to be an additional level of support and more like a mentor, which, you know, I, I feel that hopefully I was able to do. Um, like I said, I was at that ministry, Francis House, three days a week. That was my main ministry, I guess you could say, in terms of my time spent. Um, you know, and that was really just a ministry of presence, you know. So go and, and build puzzles with the people and play cards. And there's one guy, Roland, who uh, built these amazing sculptures out of tinfoil. So, like... <laughs> You know, every day I'd go in there, he had this new project he was working on, and it was just like, all right, Roland, what's up today? And, you know, he'd catch me up on, like, oh, Selena Gomez followed me on Twitter or something. You know, he'd always have these stories. Yeah. And, like, yeah. it's just getting to know these people. And, again, just, just making sure they knew that, like, hey, I don't care what you look like, what's going on in your body, what's happening in your personal life. Like, I just love you, you know, because that's, yeah. that's our call to do as followers of Christ. Um and then I, I helped mentor the parish youth group, which was also amazing. Uh, that was mainly composed of my middle schoolers from the school. So, like, there's already a pretty good working relationship. Um, they didn't have to say Mr. in front of my name. So, like, they really enjoyed that, and so did I. Um, and that was, a, again, that was just a great experience of, like, leading faith discussions with kids and hoping to kind of introduce them to God in, in different ways, you know, not just, like, the 
tried and true Sunday school stuff, so mm-hmm. to speak, because uh, my housemate and I who ran the group knew like that stuff wasn't the most effective in our personal lives. So let's try to, you know, let these kids listen to contemporary Christian music. Let's yep. show them cool documentaries and try to get them to engage a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then I also mentored another group of students doing like grassroots community organizing. Mm-hmm. This group was incredible. They um, transformed their local park that like two-thirds of it were used during daily recess for these kids at school. Uh, and this this was called literally the nation's most depressing park. Um, it was Jeez, just, always. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and this is where these kids played recess every day, and it was like yeah. a, just a constant site of drug deals. You, you'd find vials and, you know, little bags and other paraphernalia, like, all over the playground. Um, you know, it was a site for, there were like these, these gangs that would go cruising around in ATVs and dirt bikes, you know, just kids that weren't in school or adult guys that were just up to I mean, whatever I mean so they would tear it up and it just wasn't a good place it wasn't a safe place and this group of kids the student leaders um, they met with like the police chief um, who assigned like a sergeant to be like his envoy to us and they met with like local politicians and they completely transformed it they got it cleaned up they got a fence installed around it uh, light posts put in it so at night it was literally lit up and wasn't a source to be like for all these no good things happening late at night anymore. So that was incredible. And then um, the final big ministry I partook in when I was there was another community organizing group, uh, but it was of adults that were part of area churches in Camden. It was called Camden Churches Organized for People. Um, and again, it was grassroots level. So it was the same exact approach, you know, meeting with politicians, meeting with elected officials and, and holding people accountable. Um, and also educating people, making people in the community aware of like what was happening and and what they should be advocating for in terms of their own rights. And a lot of the, um, you know, folks in Camden are, are Latino and a lot of them are immigrants. So I did a lot of work with immigrant rights and uh, making sure people knew what police could or couldn't do on like an average traffic stop or something like that. So uh, a very varied experience, um, incredible experience. And as for the second part of your question, you know, encountering God's love and um, yeah, I mean, I I feel like there's been such, you know, for a lot of these a lot of these 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 folks that yeah. live in this area, it's such a you know it's such a volatile and challenging place to 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 grow up and to live, right? And I yes. mean, you, you you read the news and you see what goes on, mm-hmm. yet do you feel you know? It sounds like you're able to create this space where people are able to enjoy, able to flourish, able to to learn. Um, and have someone like yourself there that is that provides um, almost a way out for them and, and, a, and a, you know additional light to kind of see that there is more and that they're they are capable of achieving so much greater yeah no and, and I'm, I'm, I'm humbled that that's the case and I, I hope that that is what I was able to do but I think what you said is is dead on like um, my housemates and I I think very much at points questioned like okay what are we doing here it's only for a temporary time and you know we have to leave these kids and these people behind and isn't that going to be so hard for them but beyond that I mean you, you come to recognize hey God called us there for a specific reason and for a specific time you know the rest isn't up to us that's up to God like they're in good hands they're going to be taken care of but yeah hopefully like we did shine a light we did mm. expose these kids to a different way of living a different way of doing things just to make them aware like hey there's other stuff you can do than just growing up in Camden and, and, you know, being a product of your environment. Like, mm-hmm. 
you know, my housemates and I all came from pretty good communities and, and pretty good families. Nothing's perfect. Nobody's perfect, you know, but, um, I think, you know, there was a lot of misconceptions on the part of our kids. Like, you know, let's be honest, like, okay, here are these three, you know, white, um, college educated people and they loved us and they like respected us. But I think there was kind of like a, you know, it's gotta be Pleasantville where you're from and, you know, maybe everything's perfect in your family because, because you're not from Camden or because you're college educated. And I think, um, just to witness to those kids that like, Hey, you know, we've been through some tough times too. We have sadness, we have violence, we have like issues in community and family too. I think that was big for them, you know, to just kind of learn and and say like, okay, I'm not alone in that, you know? Yeah. Um, And you're right. There's, there's this gray area, um, where all of us live and we all face different challenges and different issues. And it's tough to see eye to eye on each particular issue. Um, but but I think you're able to to look forward and look at something that can unify all these challenges together, and yeah. I think that you know that kind of speaking on God's love too. Yeah, man, and that is and that and that's Christ at work. Like that's you know that is the body of Christ. I don't, I personally don't feel like it has to be in a church. It doesn't have to be yeah. an organized area. Um, while those outlets and facets can be very important and very life giving to some people, um, you know the, the kids in youth group. And my mentors and the friars and I like teaching them like that. That's that's part of the body of Christ too, you know. Um, and the fact that throughout my whole experience there, personally, throughout the things that you know the kids were up against, the knowledge, whether it was conscientious knowledge or not, that God was there, like that that linked all that together. Like you said, like that was the unifying factor, you know. Um, and yeah, hopefully we, we made some of those kids aware of that. You know, I think some of them already came with tremendous faith, but they didn't know how to put it into words yet or action, you know. Um, but it, it was it was always nice and always a privilege to kind of be looked at as like a role model for, for faith especially. You know, it was, just, it was such a blessing. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I guess kind of speaking on communication, I know that was – you know, your major in college and an area that you're really interested in is, you know, being able to express yourself and express the ideas or beliefs of, you know, an organization or a community or, you know, or faith in general, something that you support. Um, how were you able to use that communication to, to kind of show, I guess, show your purpose here, especially for those, for those kids, I think, you know, as an example, I think a lot of them, you know, they hold on to the power of, of the of the words you use, the actions you 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 know move forward, your your gestures and so on. Sure. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's the key word is action. You know. Um, you know. Obviously, after going through this year, the Franciscan charism and the way of doing things is huge for me. You know. Um, like to this day, I'll tell people. You know, I don't really say I'm one denomination Christian or another, but that, yeah, I, I follow St. Francis like I'm a Franciscan Christian. You know, that, that's the biggest identification I can give because his way of doing things in following Christ was just, I think, the best way I've encountered so far, you know. And he has this famous quote, you know, um, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words, right, mm. when necessary. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I feel like that's been, for the past couple of years of my life, kind of my my life motto, you know, um, and I think that that was very much how I used my communications degree in Camden. Like, I can't say that I always was um, 
you know, telling these kids like this world changing advice or, you know, trying to preach on stuff. And, and certainly I did my share of that. Don't get me wrong. And, and it was nice. I was asked by the associate director at the time, that guy, Matt, who recruited me um, to like go and give recruiting trips and, and do that. And I actually um, went to Stonehill and, and that was awesome because it was the first time my program had ever been there, you know. So that was a nice little bonus to do like the talking and the preaching part, so to speak. But when I was with the people in Camden, I mean, you know, they, they could teach me more about faith, I think, than I'd ever hoped to know, you know, um, even the kids in a lot of examples, because a lot of these kids came from like maybe okay households, okay backgrounds, but still just being a kid in Camden, being a kid in any inner city in America, like is a challenge, you know, and a challenge I will never know. Um, so just their way of doing things, just their getting up every morning and saying, I still want to go to school. I still want to get ahead in life. I still want to succeed. Like that, that's incredible faith to me, you know? So I think the most that I used my degree was, again, just through actions. Like just, you know, my nonverbal communication skills, you know? Mm-hmm. Like just offering a hug if a kid was really going through a tough time. Or, you know, we had this um, amazing neighbor, Vinny, who, um, you know, he was like this big, tough, blue-collar working Jersey guy and uh, you know when he was like 58 he suffered a massive stroke and he became um, paraplegic because of that you know so here was this guy who like his whole life had been self-sufficient you know give him any job he'll do it quicker than anyone else and like just you know this big burly self-confident guy and all of a sudden he's he's rendered you know paralyzed pretty much you know I mean he, he could obviously speak he could function and stuff like that but you know, um, from the waist down and his whole left side was pretty much gone, you know? Um, and a lot of times just kind of spending time with him and, and just reminding him, Hey, like God loves you and, and showing him that, you know, taking him out to eat. Um, or a lot of times he took my housemates and I out to eat because like we'd help him with some household project and that was his way of saying thank you. And, um, or like helping him rake his lawn. Like, I, I feel like those were big, moments during my year they don't seem like it but you know doing those things constantly it was just a way of life you know Mm -hmm. so um in terms of like you know what what i concentrated on at stonehill i feel like that was me yeah using that degree you know on a daily and weekly basis with these people it's just communicating love more than anything else through the way i treated them through the way that i was trying to just yeah and act towards them you and it, yeah, it, it sounds like an almost, you know, part of the communication equation, right, is listening too. Yeah, um, yeah. And being exactly. an active listener is really, you know, is that is is really critical and huge. And it sounds like you learned a lot about faith through them, um, yes. listening oh, to yeah. not only what they said, but but their actions too and how they responded, how, how they acted. And I think that's what makes faith so, so unique and so unlike any anything else right is you don't have to follow you don't have to go to you know you don't have to go to college you don't have to you know have this this trajectory or you know and have this set curriculum to follow to be considered a master you know i think you know if you want to you know later on be a pastor then yeah i think you know you should go to divinity school but yeah, like sure. you don't necessarily right like you don't necessarily have this have this strong relationship with god um by following this curriculum by yeah. having this you know all you know all these all these things in front of you when I, I think you know you have it the entire time and it's just how it's just what you how you live in the present and how you and how you live with with what you are and you're not a product of your environment um well you know you don't have to live like that right 
No, and, and that's and that's so true. I mean, it, it's it's such an individual thing, faith, when it comes right down to it, because it's your, you know, it's your take and and your life and all your experiences and how God relates to those, but how those relate to God, right? So, um, it is it's a very personal thing. But uh, again, that was such a beautiful thing for me to witness so consistently. I'll never forget when we first got to Camden, like those people, it just felt like the whole community was like this big open hug, you know, mm-hmm. and like the, the red carpet had been rolled out and it was like, you know, I just got like, personally, I was like, I, I just got here. Like, why are you, yeah. why are you already so happy to see me? Why are you already inviting me to your quinceanera? Why are you already me, like making yeah. me dinner? Like it, it was this constant outpouring of love. And, I, and yeah, and I, you know that that openness, you know that openness, and the ability to be part of the conversation and yep. be be you know welcomed into the into their conversation, and for you to add your for you to add your part, and for you know for you to listen, yep. I, I think is what starts the dialogue um, and f- yep. and allows you to to get to that point that point of of acting on your faith too. And um, I think one challenge that you know I've seen is a lot of people um you know i think religion i I like how you distinguish between religion and faith is that religion tends to bind uh, not tends you know there's there's points where um where it will kind of pigeon people into certain areas or not let them kind of get involved in certain discussions um and i i like that i think our generation needs this vulnerability this open communication and the ability to voice yeah, and, and opportunities to do so, right? I mean, and I think that's such a prevalent part um, of the, you know, the ideology nowadays for people our age and even younger. Like, that was such a beautiful thing for me to witness at my brother's keeper so often on staff. You know, you have these, like, groups of high school or college students that come in regularly. And, you know, again, you know, kids are kids, and I was a college student once, too. You were, too. Like, you know, you're not going to be, like, all into everything you do 100% of the time. But the majority of those kids were, were so engaging and were so open just to like not only our way of doing things and to learning about why we felt what we were doing was important, but um, also the work itself, also the people we were delivering to. Uh, it was awesome to see that. And it was inspiring, you know, because on the flip side, you know, you, you can hear the negative rhetoric about like, you know, oh, this needs doing and the you know the younger generation and oh, blah, blah, blah. But like. I just I didn't see proof of that. I never did. You know, I, I saw a lot of kids that were really ready to engage, um, not even with their faith, which which would be the ideal, right? To engage with their faith and with their fellow man, but even just one or the other, one part of that equation, I think is is huge. Because again, for me, like in high school, the focus wasn't on that. You know, I was doing so many other things that occupied my time, which were great and helped shape who I am today too. But um, the focus was different. It was not about others. But I feel like a lot of kids nowadays are getting those opportunities and are, and are wanting those opportunities. Um, and that's great, you know? I mean, the world needs it. The world absolutely needs it, you know? So it's, it's always awesome to, to see that and to hopefully make more of those opportunities available, you know? Right. So, so you went from, you know, inner city Camden, mm. challenging, you know, challenging place, environment, directly on the ground, right? Doing frontline yep. service. Yep. Then you decided to come back to Massachusetts and go to Brockton, which is another tough tough neighborhood mm-hmm. um from my brother's keeper kind of back to back home right you, yeah. I, I know that you were you worked with them before yeah. what what was what was the differences how did you what what did you notice 
um, or you know, what did you learn and what did you start to see differently? Well, um, you know, I definitely, if this were a year ago and we were having this discussion, I'd have a different answer, but I'm happy to say, you know, that at the end of my time there on staff and, and after almost two full years of doing that ministry, um, it did shape me further. It did change me more than I was giving it credit for initially. You know, initially, after you do a year of full-time, day-in, day-out, concentrated mission yeah. and service, it, you know, it changes you. It changes you undeniably, um, for better or for worse, and it's hard to forget that, you know. So I came home, and I had a month off between you know, getting home from Camden and then starting work at MBK. So my first few months at MBK, like it was constant for me. Okay. We do this differently than what we did in Camden. It, you know, this feels different than what we did. My lens was so much shaped by my year of service and I wasn't like letting go in a healthy way. So, um, you know, at first I was like, Oh, I don't know. This is a great place, but you know, I'm not being challenged enough. My faith isn't growing all this kind of stuff that really started to change just as I, I think let, go of some of those things, let go of the old mentality and kind of started to embrace like, hey, God is still at work here. He wanted me here for a certain reason. Just see what's going to happen. Um, and it, yeah, in a lot of ways, it, it was similar. Like it was still, as you said, like front lines in the trenches kind of work, direct service and ministry, which is my favorite thing in the world to do. Like it was just, you know, I absolutely love that part of putting faith into action. And I feel very much it's what I've been called to do with my life. Um but yeah, you know, it did, it educated me in a lot more ways, especially with, honestly, like the circumstances that probably a lot of my kids and a lot of the people that I worked with in Camden were up against in terms of material poverty. Um, I took a lot of that for granted because these people were always dressed nicely, going to events with them, you know, or inviting us over for dinner. So of course, like the house is spotless and there's this big meal and it's almost like this false sense that, oh, yeah, everything's good. They're in a tough city and things like that, but maybe they're, you know, everything at home is fine or whatever. But, I mean, going and working with my brother's keeper, it was a lot more humbling in a lot of ways because, you know, we saw a lot of stuff. I saw a lot of stuff working there in Brockton, and, and it's not limited to Brockton. Like, we did deliveries all over, you know, Quincy, Braintree, Dorchester, even Canton, Stoughton, you know, Mansfield, like – there's, you know, material poverty exists. It's, it's, it's all around us. And um, one of the main things that I took away from that with my time there, you know, I used to lead these faith reflections with um, Jim Orcutt, who's the co-founder of My Brother's Keeper. And the two of us would, you know, give these reflections to um, like our summer interns or our Stonehill students or uh, Holy Cross seminarians that came in, like a wide range of folks, but generally those who are kind of interested in, in their faith. And I don't know if he coined the phrase or not, but he would talk so much about the invisible poor, right? So the poor that, you know, maybe you go into their house on a food delivery and there's a big TV on the wall and there's, you know, leather furniture in the living room. And, you know, you notice the kid has Jordans on his feet and they had a Beamer in the driveway and you're kind of thinking, you know, what's going on here? You know, we're bringing them food. Why? Where's the poverty? Yeah. Wow. You know, would talk about so often, like. So that would happen there? Like. So you'd, What's so you'd come to some to some places and you'd walk into their you know their driveway and they'd have a yep. Beamer flat screen, you yep. know fresh. Pe- wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and that happens all the time. Honestly, um, clean house, right? Nice looking house. Maybe the outside's falling down, but on the inside, freshly laminated, you know, hardwood floors. Or 
you know, anything you can, anything you can conjure up. Like, you know, honestly, all these places looked a lot nicer than my house, you know? Um, and again, that was something that a lot of volunteers would pick up on. They'd be like, so what's up with that? You know, well, why is this place so, why do they need us kind of thing? But Jim would always say it, and, and Jim knew himself, because Jim uh, grew up one of nine in a single parent um, household, mm. you know. So they weren't, you know, they weren't wearing Jordans even if they wanted to. They weren't driving Beamers even if they want, you know. Um, he grew up very poor, materially poor. And so he knew it, and he knew kind of the old tricks, and he knew himself, him and his brothers and sisters, like, yeah, they wouldn't pick out their very best outfits anytime they go to eat at a friend's house or anytime they went to mass because they didn't want people to know they were poor, you know? Um, so that's one of the many facets of the invisible poor that, that is so notable is that um, the awareness that they are poor, of course, there's still a lot of stigma in our society about being poor, right? And not having money, not having nice stuff. There's a lot of judgments, whether we mean to or not. So oftentimes people who don't have that stuff will at least try to rent it or at least try to you know get it just to say oh i do have it and i'm not poor even if they can't afford to get the groceries every week even if they can't afford to pay the utilities every month i mean it's it's very sad that the shaming and the guilt that's associated with material poverty um is huge and again that was a huge education for me too i mean i had no idea before working for my brother's keeper um you know just how much went into material poverty so that was huge. That was huge for me because as a Christian, just as a person, like my lens now will always be different when I'm out driving around and I see a homeless person or when I see the little old lady pushing the cart full of soda cans, you know. Um, I think the greatest takeaways from my time in Camden and my brother's keeper was the gift of, you know, increasing compassion. And, and compassion to me is huge, again, especially as a follower of Christ because – when you're compassionate, you know, you care more about others because maybe you've walked in their shoes. Maybe you understand at least what it's like to walk in their shoes, you know. And when you are able to care more for other people and you're able to, you know, not look at them and think, oh, I'm skeptical or, oh, you know, I'm judging how they get in that situation. Maybe they screwed up or maybe they are an alcoholic. I mean, when you, when you free yourself from all that stuff, which I think compassion lets you do, you can be a more loving person and, and inherently I think when you're more loving and when you're able to lend a helping hand more often than not, then you're more Christ like, you know? Sure. And that's what it's all about for me, you know. So my time with MBK after two years, like again, I went into the mentality like, Oh, nothing will beat Camden and that was the closest I'll ever be to God and everything else. And yeah, sure, in a lot of ways I had some of the most impactful and faith-filled encounters in my life during that one year. But coming home and doing a similar but very unique ministry in its own right, um, I still I, I gained so much insight. And I think ultimately I gained a lot more just compassion, you know. Um, and that's, I think that's the goal. You know, right. when you do service, when you put your faith into action, sure you want to grow closer to God, but you need to grow closer to other people and, and compassion and love and yeah. things like that. I mean, those are some of the best ways to do it, I feel. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think just, you know, giving through through materials is just just a, as a result right and there's so much more that that's just that's just like that's you know that's very minimal it's right like when you yeah. when you think of like a you know a big surplus it's only a, a tiny portion yeah. um of the equation um so question i want to ask for you um yeah. be completely open is when you look at your your level of 
desire and thirst and just kind of ultimate ultimate um, desire to seek more God, you know, seek more in God and, and faith from the time um, before you start. Actually, you know what? After after you completed that that Camden trip to where you are now, yeah. Where where do you think you would kind of fall out? Where do I think I'd fall out? Or where do you think that you'd uh, you know com- comparing comparing where you were after the the the, the Franciscan trip yeah. to kind of where you are now? Um, yeah. Do you, do you feel like you're even you know, have more thirst for God? You you feel, you feel like it's kind of a, you know a longer a longer process. How do you count? How do you currently feel? Yeah. No. Um, yes. Yes. And yes. I mean, um, I think you know God clearly put it in my heart to do service before leaving for FEM, before leaving for Camden. But through that experience, mainly you know, and and growing it by the last two years working for my brother's keeper um there now is a permanent place in my heart for god you know like that's that was probably the biggest change that i experienced you know um, in terms of my faith journey like it's something that i realized okay it is a journey one you know you're you're on it until you you know meet jesus up in the up in heaven one day you know yeah um and even then in theory it still continues if you know Mm -hmm. you read scripture and stuff but like um, yeah, it, it's a permanent thing for me now. It's not like a flash in the pan. It's not, okay, it's a one-time thing. I mean, for me, it's it's going to be a journey. It's going to be a lifelong commitment. And, you know, there are different ways to keep it going. Like a mentality that I'm trying to kind of shake myself right now in my current, you know, between work status and like what else is out there for me. I mean, I'm trying to keep in mind, hey, you don't have to be on the front lines every day to be mm. – a mm-hmm. disciple of Christ, right? You yeah. don't have to be doing his literal feeding of the sheep every day to be called a shepherd, right? So, like, sure. you need to find that in yourself to continue your own faith journey and to continue to be that disciple, even when, yeah, even when times are tough, even when you're, you know, in a new situation, even when you're doing stuff that maybe you didn't see yourself doing. So, for me, long term, I know it's always going to be part of my life. How that's going to look, who knows? I mean, it, it, again, it's it's a it's still a very it's personal to everybody, like what I was saying earlier about faith in general. But, I mean, yeah, I, I see myself still going to visit Camden, you know, just because I want to and because that will always be a place I call home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see myself volunteering at my brother's keeper, again, because it's a place I'll always call home. It's a place where I encountered God and it's good Christian work that I believe in. I can see myself doing any number of things, you know. But, uh, again, I think like the – from the day-to-day um, – tangible stuff you can do and that I find myself doing more and wanting to do more you know like like these little ministries you know mm-hmm. so again you see a homeless person on the street and you just stop and ask their name and you say hey you know things are tough whether you believe in God or not I'll pray for you you know um, and usually most of them do believe in God and they again might have more faith to share with me than I'll ever even attempt to know about you know um, so stuff like that I think can be part of your daily life moving forward and, and I hope to you know regardless of what I'm doing for work regardless of whatever else but yeah I mean the growth is still happening to put a long story short you know the change is still happening it wasn't just like alright I went through these couple of years and that's it and now I'm just gonna be content to whatever like no I mean you have to you have to keep adapting it yeah you know so. yeah and I think you know I, 
as I talk with some other other folks, you know, on a podcast offline, yeah. we we we've noticed that you know you're not always going to feel like God is you know always with you, and you're not always yeah. going to feel um, like you're you feel like you're growing. But if you continue to keep that maintenance and right keep keep brushing your teeth in you know in Christ, kind of in that in that way, yeah. right? Yeah. You're you're it it um. It pays off, and that's that's based on scripture, man. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you were to if you were to provide advice for someone who's interested in learning more about Christianity, or you know, not not even Christianity, but just wants to have a relationship with God and with Jesus, yeah. Um, what would you say? Well, I would say two things just right off the top. Um, one, I would say trust right trust the journey trust what's happening and and trust him ultimately um because whether you are close with god or not i don't think you know makes you more or less trusting i mean sure if you get to know god in your life and he's done good things maybe you can be inclined to trust him more but again going back to those tough times in my life those few tough summers and, and years like from high school to college i mean in a way, I was trusting, even though I didn't know really who God was in my life at that time. And in a big way, He was trusting me that hey, I'd be I'd be good to go. You know, I got this plan for Andrew, and he's going to be okay, and I'm going to believe in that and put him in the right path. So trust is huge. Trust is huge. Um, and if someone is exploring and someone does have a good idea of who God is, but like you said, maybe they're feeling a little disconnected. Maybe they're like, well, God, I believe in you. I'm searching for you. I don't really feel you in my life. Like I think that's the time too, where trust is huge. You have to just trust the journey, trust the process, because it, it can be tough. It can be, um, you know, it can be drawn out at times. But you got to trust him. You got to trust yourself. And the second thing I would say, again, keeping in theme with the fact that faith is a journey and that God leads you on a journey your whole life, um, I'll echo what this older man said to me during um, one of my interview days for FEM. I was at uh, this horse racing track in Delaware, which was one of the ministry sites for the former Wilmington, Delaware site of my program, FEM. Um, and the friar there would go and say mass for these migrant workers who, you know, didn't have a license, who didn't have a car, who couldn't get to his church to worship. He'd go to them, you know, and um, he would say mass for them. And it was just incredible, just beautiful. So, I went to one of those um, and partook in that mass, and um, I remember leaving with him, and we're chatting just about this, that, and the other thing, and, you know, there's an older guy who comes up behind us, and he's, like, one of the security guards at the park, and shares a little bit about his story, a little bit about his background, says that he's a Baptist minister, and, you know, um, really was impressed with the friar and, like, what his little ministry was and how it was uplifting the workers, and he was going on to say how, you know... He hasn't had it the easiest. He had lost his wife recently and, you know, but he was a strong person of faith. And I told him what I was hoping to do with the program. And as we're walking out the door, he says, young man, he says, hold on tight and don't let go. And I said, all right, I will. That sounds good, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah. so I get talking with the friar again or, you know, just a matter of like a few seconds later. And I look back to where he's standing, and, and there was no sign of the guy, you know. Um, I still get goosebumps talking about it. You know, the, the place yeah. is completely dark, locked up, 
he's nowhere to be found. So I, I believe definitely like that was, that was a message from God. That was an angel, you know, mm-hmm. um, working through that guy. But I think that's a, it's such a pertinent thing to share, especially with somebody who's just starting out. And, and again, it has to do with trust as well, but like, you know, hold on tight, you know, hold on to your faith, hold on to who you are, hold on to whatever you can, but, but don't let go. Don't, don't, let things from the outside world overwhelm you don't let anything discourage you to the point where you're gonna say oh you know god can't be real or god can't be in my life or anything like that because that's just not true you know so i think i think those are my two big things and um you know in terms of more practical stuff just try to get involved like faith in action is huge and there's again so many ways to do that nowadays and you know like i said if i hadn't just walked in the doors my brother's keeper my sophomore year we wouldn't be having this conversation, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that was such a simple act. I mean, it took courage. It took, you know, whatever, like going outside myself a little bit, but just a simple thing, just walk in and say, okay, I'm just going to help these people do a little good in the world today. And that's how it can start. That little seed can be planted. It can grow into amazing things, you know? Yep. So, yeah. Great. Well, 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 thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Before we, before we head out, anything else that you want to, to leave us with? Um, you know, um, no, I think I think I capped it all. I mean, cool. uh, just yeah, again, just there, there's so many ways to know God, and and I don't want people out there to think that like it has to be in church or it has to be in the Bible or it has to be in whatever. I mean, it's different for everybody. So again, just I think openness is huge with mm-hmm. with any faith, right? But especially with ours, because I mean, you know, Christ was not a real cut and dry guy. Like yep. there were, there were many sides to him and, and he didn't want people to live like a black and white life. So, I mean, there's, there's different ways to encounter him. There's different ways to do good in the world. So yeah, I mean, just being open and trusting or, or think are huge, you know? Great. Um, anywhere where our, 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 our followers can, can tune into to what you're up to or, or what you, what you're doing. Definitely, yeah. So, I mean, um, Facebook is, is awesome. Uh, God, I'm on that like every day, and <laughs> I probably shouldn't be, but I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm getting back into that. Um, I don't really do much other social media, but but Facebook's good. Um, I did just start a new blog, um, so, you know, if people want to find me on there, you know, you oh, have wow. the information, the, um, yeah, the, on, on Blogspot. So, feel free to find that to see a little bit of what I share with um, good stuff happening in the world. Uh, I'm not trying to make it like faith based, but obviously that's, that's part of who I am. So it's going to have a certain tilt like that, you know? So yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Those are probably the two best outlets for now, you know? Cool. Awesome. So the, um, uh, the blog that you've started, um, mm-hmm. pr- um, pours out, I guess, real and, and good news, you know, opposed to what's been kind of going on recently. I feel like there's been a lot of negative negative stuff in the press and the media and especially on social media yes yep okay yeah yeah so it's trying to you know it's trying to counteract that and um you know regardless of of what's happening in our current political state in the in the country yep. which i think is in a really sad state of affairs um you know this is something i've been thinking for several years now because for so long in my own life like you know since high school i haven't watched the news because i just think for so long it's just been focused on the crazy and the weird and the sad and the the gross and it's like i don't know i think there's a real need to kind of not focus on all that stuff but to focus on the the genuine good work that's happening in the world and the genuine like you know everyday heroes who don't get the credit you know so yeah again um you know 
my faith isn't really tied into it per se. Uh, I'm certainly hoping that God will use it to make people aware of the goodness he's created and the good people that are out there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little little project and it's just starting to boom. So hopefully, um, hopefully it'll take off. I think there's a real need for that, you know? Excellent. Sounds great. Um, well, well, thanks so much for, for being on the show, um, learning about you, your continuous journey and being a disciple of Christ and what that looks like, um, and how it's really different for everyone. And we all, we all write our own, or, you know, actually he writes our, our story, um, for his story. So awesome. Um, and would you mind closing us out in prayer to conclude? Of course. I'd be happy to. So, uh, dear God, our loving Father, we, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for uh, the gift of kinship, uh, of being one with our, our brothers and sisters here through Christ. Thank you for the gift of sharing faith, for living in a country where we can do so without fear of persecution. And we always keep in mind those who uh, aren't as fortunate as us, Lord, those who don't have the same privilege to share faith and to share their opinions and ideas. We, we pray for them. We pray for all those who persecute them. Uh, and as always, Lord, we pray that we would be guided by you to do your works in this world and to make it a more just, compassionate, and peaceful place. And we ask this through Christ. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot. It was great being a guest. And uh, thank you for the work you're doing. It's a fantastic endeavor, and I'm, I'm happy to be part of it. So. Thanks so much. I will talk to you later. Yeah, you know it, brother. Take care, all right? Thank you all for joining in today and listening to Andrew Stady, really a humble guy who has done service with the Franciscan Volunteer Ministry and my brother's keeper. He's learned the importance of compassion and really getting down to earth and just communicating and having empathy for people, understanding what they're going through. And as he discussed that he actually learned a lot about faith through through them, and I think that's something that's so important um, as we as we look and explore what faith is and how we can learn from others. The blog that he has started is called FirebirdPhoenixNews.blogspot.com. He has just a few posts up now and is looking to expand and explore. Andrew is a writing guru, so I'm sure he will crush it and will will produce a lot of really cool and insightful news thank you all for joining i really appreciate your your time and dedication uh, this was a nice 60 minute long session um, please reach out to me um, or andrew if you'd like to chat chat further or have any questions for us thanks